Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 11th, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book. We will be on page 42 in More About Alcoholism, the last full paragraph on the page, then they outline the spiritual answer and program of action. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, October 11th, excuse me, October 10th, was 3144. That's 3144. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Edini to please read the 12 steps for us. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Edini, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We try to carry this message to our compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Now I would like to ask Margaret H. to please read the traditions for us. Thank you. My name is Margaret, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, 
every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 42. The paragraph begins, then they outline the spiritual answer. And I'm going to ask Penny C. to get us started this morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater, and so happy to be here. Then they outline the spiritual answer and program of action which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had only a nominal church I was I had only been a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Oh, I identify so well with this paragraph, that first line where it says they outline the spiritual answer. Uh, that, That was such a... A miracle for me to hear that at my very first meeting, you know that that um, I had a disease and there was it was a spiritual malady that I had, and so there was a spiritual answer, and I so believed that right from the beginning. It was a brand new concept to me, but it it made perfect sense. As far as the part where it talks about I was going to have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. One of the first things I heard when I came around was you're going, the only thing you have to change is everything. And that scared me because I had one shortcoming in, in mind that I knew then, I thought then, that I could never, never give up. I was a, an extreme couponer. And uh, I could, I mean, and it was dishonest, but I didn't even see it that way when I first came. And I was going to have to give up that. And I remember walking out of that meeting saying, I, I, you know, that no way. I'm, I'm not going to be able to stay if I'm going to have to give that up. And just as Fred says at the end, as I left, as I went along in, in, in the program, and not, not very long afterwards, I had the curious feeling that my compulsive overeating condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Those words I could I could um, ditto right away. Uh, this is a wonderful paragraph, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. 
Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star 1 to unmute. This is Kim. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I love this line, and I just lost where the line is. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong page. The program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. You know, and that's true. You know, this program is inconvenient. You know, there is a price to be paid, and we have to be willing to pay that. And I'll tell you why I'm willing to pay that, because the disease is drastic. You know, I was in my early 20s, and I walked up a set of stairs, and I got short of breath and had to take breaks. You know, I was living at home in my late 20s because I couldn't afford my binge foods and an apartment. You know, I started at 2 o'clock in the morning, getting up in the middle of the night and eating the food that I threw in there um, for dinner. And I even was putting Ajax in the food to try to poison it, but I would still dig it out of the trash. That's kind of drastic. You know, and even when I got control of the food and I got down, I would be able to wear a pretty dress to a fancy restaurant. I was going in the bathroom and I was holding my hair back and throwing up and trying not to get any throw up on this pretty dress that I was finally able to fit into. You know, I would run 10 miles on a Saturday morning and then my hip would bother me and I wouldn't be able to be able to get out of bed the rest of the day. But that was okay. You know, I it got to the point at the end that the only thing I had was I would go to work and I would come home and I would have food and television. That, to me, was drastic. So, yes, this, this program of recovery requires work, and it is kind of drastic, but it's the drasticness of our disease that's going to convince us that we have to change because that's what this program about is about, is change. And with that change comes a wonderful life where we can live happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Wow, they're giving what a, a lot of hope right there. A hundred of them. Now, we're talking back in the 1930s. There was no treatments, nothing that worked with alcoholics, nothing. They would end up dead or locked up or in an insane asylum. And here's a hundred of them who have recovered. And they outline the spiritual answer. And what is the spiritual answer? I'm going to take you to page 98. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trust in God and clean house. So there's a spiritual answer. We learn to trust and rely on God in clean house, and we clean our house and do this with the program of action, which is the 12 steps. And I um, today am so grateful to say that I can count myself in one of those who has followed this successfully. I didn't always understand it, but I followed it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. Good morning, Ms. Christy. Good morning. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I like this line here, this sentence. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. And what were those lifelong conceptions that I had? You know, keep in mind when I first came to OA in 1994, I weighed 340 pounds. And that was what my best thinking got me, 340 pounds. I was miserable and I was crazy. And... Um, you know, I, um, I had no idea how to solve my eating problem. I had no idea. I'd thrown everything I possibly could throw at it. 
and I was miserable. And, you know, I uh, hung out in the rooms, I lost 140 pounds, and I gained, I gained 100 of it back in the rooms, in relapse. And, um, you know, finally when I hit 300 again, finally when I hit 300 again, I said to myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. And that was all I needed to say. That was all I needed to say. I needed to say to myself, you cannot solve this. You can't solve this problem. Anyone, anything, has to be able to do a better job at it than you, Christy. And, um, you know, that, that conception that somehow I'd be able to figure it out, you know, I'd be able to throw my critical thinking skills, my problem-solving skills at this addiction, somehow I'd be able to crawl out of or unlock the prison doors that I was behind and recover, I, I had to throw that out. I had to throw that out, and I had to let somebody else help me. I had to let somebody else help me. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, in fact, um, as in fact it proved to be. That's what happened to me on that first day. I had a sponsor. I called my sponsor. I committed my food to my sponsor, and I ate everything I had committed, nothing more, nothing less. And at the end of that day, I, went, I was able to put my head on the pillow and know that, that my life was changed. My life was changed. I had done something I said I was going to do, and the next morning I woke up and my sponsor said, just do that same thing again. Just do that same thing again. That's all I needed was that one day. That was all I needed. I didn't need to question it. I just needed to basically put blinders on and follow the directions that other people told me. You know, my sponsor had been relieved of the obsession, and that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Anything had to be better than what, you know, I was doing. Anything had to be better than my best thinking. And it proved to be. It proved to be. And that was September 9th of 2001. And one day at a time, ever since that one day, that first day, that's what I've done. Just the same thing over and over again. Listen to what other people said. And follow this, you know, live the steps, made this big book come to life. Made this big book come to life. And it's changed my life. It has changed my life in ways I could not have even articulated on that first day. And I'm just so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater. Recovered today. Thank you, God. You know, I, I like to remember, where is Fred at at this point in time? You know, he's back in the hospital. He's back in the hospital. And two members of Alcoholics Anonymous had come to see him again, again. And they asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. And they had heaped upon him lots and lots of experience, their experience that he could relate to, that he could say, this is my experience, this is their experience, and yes, I have this hopeless condition. I have this allergy of the body that once I pick up, only intensifies, never satisfies, I cannot stop. And the mind, the alcoholic mind, the alcoholic mentality, which ensures that I will pick up again and again and again. So that's where Fred was at. But what did they give him here? This paragraph tells me that they outlined the spiritual answer. They outlined the spiritual answer for him. They told him, this is what a hundred of us have done and it's worked. This is our experience. This is our experience, our strength, and our hope. And they offered it to him. And they offered it to him. And intellectually, he said it wasn't hard to swallow. I mean, he'd been a churchman, maybe only nominal, but he understood what they were telling him. But that program of action that they were telling him, although entirely sensible, seemed awfully drastic to him. Awfully drastic. 
because it meant he'd have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. You know, remember back in the doctor's opinion where we read that an entire psychic change, this is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of recovery. So that's what Fred was being offered, a way to have an entire psychic change. A psychic change. All of that twisted, distorted thinking, all of that self-centered thinking, all of that self-sufficient thinking, that was going to have to go right out the window, his attitudes and his outlooks and his ideas. And, you know, I could look at your ideas and I could see where you needed to change them, but I'd look at my ideas It was hard to change my ideas. They were mine. They were mine. But I did have that also, that curious feeling that once I heard this program describe to me this spiritual answer, that somehow, some way, I I wanted it. Those people in whom the problem had been solved had had the experience. And if I wanted their experience, I had to do what they did. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. It's Leah. Good morning. It's Leah. Hey, hey, Janice. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a 100 of them had followed successfully. As someone stated yesterday, you know, these paragraphs are so power-packed. Um, dealing, you know, back with Fred here, who, uh, you know, was was humbled and, and humiliated by King Alcohol. And, uh, you know, we see a, a process of the steps on this page, you know. Step one, what was Fred's problem? Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. You have to be clear about that. And lack of power was his dilemma, even though he was uh, quite successful in other areas, had a good mind of that, I'm sure, but he had a soul sickness that manifested itself in his mind and in his body, uh, like a gangrene of the spirit, shall we say. Um, he He was without power, you know, without power, to do anything about it. You know, it wasn't going to be his own resources, his will, his efforts, his goals, his determination, his philosophy, his good intentions to keep his family and his job intact. None of that was enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. Luckily, you know, step two comes right up after step one. You know, was he willing to believe that a power greater than himself could restore him to sanity? Because that's what he needed. He needed some sanity. So it says here, then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. See, steps one and two are conclusions of the mind. They are conclusions of the mind. They're not action steps. The program of recovery um, requires action. We'll see in that last statement in the paragraph, but the moment I made up my mind, here comes Fred's decision. See, the the disease of alcoholism has beaten him into a state of reasonableness. But the moment I made up my mind, he's making a decision here to go through with the process. And, of course, the process is the program of recovery. The process are steps four through nine. Step four is the first action step. Step three involves making a decision, and that's exactly what's happening here. But the moment I made up my mind, step three involves making a decision to turn his will and his life over to the care of God. Steps four through nine, which is the process that they're referring to, are the actions necessary to carry that decision out. And Fred is going to walk a free man, and that's exactly what happens through this program of recovery. He will eventually be restored to sanity, have soundness of mind. He will be relieved of the obsession, and he will be able to walk this earth a free man. That's the buzz we're all looking for. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star 1 to unmute. Eddie in Virginia. Good morning. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, uh, Janice. Good morning, all. Uh, this is Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Happy to be here this morning and happy that you were here this morning. Um, I was just 
again, looking at the phrase that everybody seems to be honing in on this morning, the moment I made up my mind to go through the process. And uh, I can remember um, thinking that, you know, how was I ever going to get through this um, without all of the crutches that I had used in my life to get me through everything else that I had managed to walk through. But um, I, I'm reminded of the, um, of the phrase uh, tunnel vision, which is normally a negative um, comment on someone when you use that and that they are so focused on one particular thing that they can't see the entire picture. But for me, this proved to be what I needed to do. I needed to block out all the distractions and all the temptations that um, came along with the way I lived life prior to discovering this program and just focus on the goal, which, as uh, Christy had articulated earlier, was, you know, to do what I had done yesterday um, and to repeat that today. And, uh, you know, I had someone that I, um, that I spoke with frequently in, in my early days uh, in program, and she used to say to me, just do what you did yesterday. If yesterday was a good day, today will be a good day. Just don't even worry about the rest of that stuff. Just keep your, keep your, your mind focused on that. And so, you know, in the beginning, and that was like putting one foot in front of the other with my tunnel vision and, um, you know, ignoring all the other stuff on the side, uh, all the distractions, all the interruptions that would, you know, remove my focus from from my program and, uh, you know, continuing on one foot after another. And, um, you know, throwing out those lifelong conceptions that I was absolutely sure I could not, you know, get through life without. And, no, it wasn't easy. But it was simple. When, when I really looked at it, it was simple. And uh, as again, as uh, I think Christy said earlier, anything was better than what I had. So you know, it's it, it just and you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, and it just proved that um, you know this was the only way and to go for me. It's the only thing I had. I had to latch onto this like a dying man catches a, a drowning man catches a, a, a life preserver. You know, that's all there was. And, um, you know, it had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as, in fact, it proved to be. And thank God that proved to be for me. You know, it's seven years, and thank God I've had one abstinent and now recovered day after another since then. And uh, for that, I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful every morning when I get up. And I make that decision every morning when I get up. I make that decision that this day um, I am going to focus on the goal, which is to remain in recovery and abstinent, and that's really the most important thing I'm going to do today. Everything else I'll handle as it comes along, but there's my focus. I put my blinders on, and I go straight towards the steps and my program and my spiritual relationship with God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, I'm sorry, but I came in late, and I don't know what, what page you're on. We're on page 42 at the bottom of the page in the big book. Thank you. You're so welcome. You're welcome. Well, I think we'll move on. Deb W., would you please read the next paragraph for us? It's a pleasure. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and I hope more useful than the life I lived before. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back to it even if I could. This is just beautiful. Um, I I so identify and agree with this because, you know, quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. This um, paragraph reminds me of, you know, this is the how-to. This is the assembly directions for my life. You know, um, instead of opening the box of my life and, you know, sitting aside the assembly directions and just trying to put together all by myself um, and allow my sick mind to direct me, I can tap into this beautiful program of recovery and just follow it by step one, two, three, four, all the way through in order and know and have that relationship with God that's so deep and so much more meaningful than 
me living my life on my own before, you know, and um, I just love this. Spiritual principles, they're God's spiritual principles. We get them from him. He is our creator. We are the created being, and he directs us so beautifully in this life, and um, he does. He solves all my problems by implementing this program into my life, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? It's this is Paula Meishia. This is Katie. Irini, uh, Paula, and Katie. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Wow, my heart is beating so quickly, so fast. The spiritual principles would solve all my problems. All my problems. Oh, my God. This is so true, and I am a testimony of my own life, and I am a miracle. The food was just in step one. That was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. But to solve all my problems? God is the source here. I make a connection, and his power guides. He guides. And then I get to share it with others? Wow. Who would have thought coming into these rooms to control my eating would lead me in the sacred, in the sacred place and then be blessed in God's presence and share that with others? These principles help me grow into God and away from myself daily. I have to do this daily in all my affairs. It's a way of life that I've learned through these steps. It's these steps. It has taught me how to live, but only if I practice the principles. I need to practice them in all my affairs. Then all those external influences, what happens to them? They're weakened. They're pushed away. You know, this is my meaning. This is the meaning of my life here, is to be a better Irini today than I was yesterday. This is where my happiness lies, by practicing a life the way God intended me to live and to reflect his love unto others and make a difference for not only myself but for others as well. And how beautiful is that? I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paul Impulsive Overeating. We'll reverse to the sentence before. I had a serious feeling that my alcohol condition was relieved, as it proved to be. Then he starts this paragraph, quite as important. That was very important. It had to be done. It had to be done first. And look at what followed. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. Now, there it is. Don't doubt you're not going to have problems. This is life and you're still living it. And with it comes problems. But that would solve all that, those steps. Each day, living the steps, knowing a part of you, that you go through the day with them. I have since been brought. Now, look at this. He's been brought. What brought him? The spirituality, the principles coming together brought him into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and I hope more useful than the life I lived before. And you know what? Isn't that it? Maximum usefulness? Page 89, to be helpful is our only aim? Who the have ever thought of that? To be helpful? Yeah, to me. To others. To love thy neighbor as thyself and know the true meaning of it. But then it says clearly here that I had lived before. My old mirror of life was by no means a bad one. I'm going to tell you, I didn't rob banks. I really didn't murder anyone. Okay, if, it, if it's true that in thought, yeah, I have, in thought. But I haven't forgotten so many things that I didn't do. But what does he say here? I know what I did, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. Because, you know, in the worst that I have now, even in the worst, in the darkest time, I'm not there alone. 
I have the spiritual principles to rely on, God himself, a fellowship, calling newcomers, being there, available. Wow. Look at the foundation that's going to support me and keep me up. I would not go back to it, even if I could. No, no doubt there. Thank you for allowing me to share. And I'm sorry if I extended my three minutes, but boy, I'll tell you, quite the paragraph. Thank you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Katie. This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. And I um, have been using a timer because I just am curious how long three minutes is. And that was not three minutes. So um, now I feel like they just both shared so much, I don't even know what I want to say, except that um, in the beginning, when you are looking at this, it looks like, you know, how can I possibly make such a huge change? It just seems so scary. And I think, you know, in the previous paragraph, the lifelong conceptions, and then to the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. That is so hard for people like us to understand. It's so hard for me to believe that I really needed to change that much. I just wanted to hold on to my own ideas about certain things. And it wasn't until I was completely uh, beaten up by this disease and finally surrendered to the fact that whatever I thought, all of my thinking had gotten me to this point, to the point where I could not stop eating no matter what, even with my best intentions, my best ideas, and that I needed to listen to someone who had recovered. I was finally willing to do whatever they told me to do with the people who were two steps ahead of me. And that's what it, this is talking about, that they're, you know, he, he's being told all these stories of all these different people who have recovered, and he is finally willing to do what they said. And by doing that, you just keep walking forward. You know, uh, the definition of, of a changed heart, of, of repentance, you know, if I'm remorseful, I, that just means I feel bad. I feel bad about what I did. But repentance is turning around and walking the other way. And that's what I had to do. I had to completely walk away from whatever God showed me I needed to walk away from. And that still happens today. If I'm in a bad situation, because I live in the world, I have friends, I have uh, business associates, I have different experiences, and I still can be in situations where I have to turn and walk a different direction. And that is what this is talking about, that spiritual pro- principles would solve all my problems. And I didn't believe that before. I thought that my intellect was of some value. And, you know, it just seems so contrary to our American culture to say that we don't need to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. All those are old ideas. I need a power outside of myself to carry me along. And that is what this program does. And as someone else shared earlier, um, you know, what I did yesterday, I do today. And I never had the thought when I put down the food 25 years ago that this was it, that I was going to be what he says. You know, in fact, it proved to be. I did not believe that was what was going on in my life. I just knew that it worked yesterday, so I'm going to do it again today. And I did it yesterday, and I'm going to do it again today. And that has repeated itself over and over and over. And my life does keep getting better. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you, Janice. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. See, uh, you know, I thought food was my problem. I thought my weight was my problem. I thought if I could find a better food plan, that would solve my problem. You know, maybe a good a good substantial loan would solve my problem, or how about a new boyfriend? Uh, once I was married, how about a new husband? That would solve my problem. How about a new job, a new, you know, a bigger house? <laughs> See, I was always focused on 
uh, external conditions being my remedy. You know, but external conditions are never a remedy for an internal condition called compulsive overeating. My disease resides between these ears of mine. You know, between my ears. It is, it is, it is uh, as the big book say, says, it's going to require a transformation of my thought and attitude. So it says here, quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. Not a new food plan, not a loan or a boyfriend or a husband or a job or a bigger house, but these 12 steps that are designed for living. You know, I came here, I had no tools for living. This program of recovery offered me, it taught me, it reparented me. It offered me a set of principles that told me how a human being should live. And if I could live by those principles one day at a time, then I would be peaceful. Then I would be content. And I would be free from those things that used to enslave me and make me and my life miserable. Things like fear. Things like resentment, like selfishness and self-seeking and dishonesty. The program of recovery, these spiritual principles taught me, taught Fred how to live in harmony and how to bring joy and unity and have a whole new attitude and a whole new outlook. That's why the program of recovery says a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. That's what a spiritual awakening is all about, a personality change. My personality is made up the way I think. It's made up of the way I feel. It's made up of my attitudes and my outlooks on life and on people and places and things. The program of recovery took me on a journey. This big book was designed to bring about a spiritual experience from one page to the next and led me to a place called a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Problem solved. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, I think we'll move on then. Would Esther, would you please read the next for us? Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. He had felt only the first nip of the ringer. Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. So I consider myself from the group of those that had to be badly mangled before I really started to do what I needed to do. Uh, The way I see it, I mean, there are people who come into program and never get it, and those who come in with, you know, having suffered a little bit, you know, what we call a high bottom, and then there are those like me that come in with a low bottom who've uh, experienced quite a bit of pain. And it seems for compulsive eaters like me, uh, it takes a lot of pain to get me to do what I have to do, and that's that's where I was when I came in, and that's the, the truth that it says in this paragraph, that some of some people can get it, you know, after a little bit of suffering, but many of us really need to be badly mangled before we get moving with the program of recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one this to unmute. Paul. This is Paula Manchia. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. I need to run over those words. Um, you know, I just keep looking at that. We hope it strikes home. Two thousands like him. Where is home? Haven't we heard it? Home is where the heart is. This has got to strike to the very heart of you. And that he said he had felt only the first nip of the ringa. Ah, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled. Yep, we do. We do. And but th- th- there it is. Before they really commence, there it is. They really. Now, because we make beginnings, you know those beginnings we talk about, we think about perhaps even, but no, here, the action to solve their problems, they can be solved with the help outside of their their own self. But there it is, again, another paragraph that is transforming and changing a life. Thank Thank you again for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. 
Thank you, Paula. Well, my name is Janice, and I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, I'm looking at this paragraph, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, he might have, he felt, he had felt only the first nip of the ringer. Well, I look, I look at his experience. You know, he's been hospitalized, not just once, but a couple times. You know, it gets pretty bad when you have to be hospitalized. And that was only the first nip of the ringer. You know, I had many nips of that ringer. I had that place of utter hopelessness, miserable, miserable. And I lived like that for a long time. I lived like that for a long time. You know, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled. You know, that self-sufficient, self-absorbed person that I was, you know, I had to be pretty badly mangled. I had to get down to the, the depths of despair in this disease. And, and what we know to be true is that even though there is help available, that we resist it and we deny that we're compulsive overeaters and I refuse to believe it. But finally, finally, the bottom was when I stopped digging. I couldn't bear to live like that anymore. I just couldn't bear to live like that anymore. And my mind was pretty badly mangled. You know, I love the phrase that we sometimes hear in OA, that we come for the vanity. I did not come for a spiritual awakening. I came to lose the weight. I came because I felt so crazy. We come for the vanity. We stay for the sanity. And we find our humanity. We find our humanity. That was the direct result of living by spiritual principles. That I found my humanity. And I found you. And I found you. And I found a way to live happy, joyous, and free in this world. One day at a time. Who knew that's what I was going to find? A way to solve my problems. That when I grabbed hold and worked the steps as if my life depended on it, I commenced to solve what was my real problem, which was a separation from that power greater than myself. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning again, Janice. That first sentence, or second sentence, I hope it strikes home to thousands like him. You know, when I came into OA, I couldn't understand why we were reading this book about alcoholics. I was fat. I needed a diet. You know, if I wasn't fat, then I could get the right boyfriend. If I wasn't fat, then I could get the right job. If I wasn't fat, I could get the right friends. That was my problem. And when we started to read this big book in different meetings, it was an interesting novel. The stories were kind of cute. Oh, the jaywalker was so funny. You know, but what are we doing here? Why is it striking home in a different way? Because it's no longer a novel that I'm reading. It's a textbook that I'm studying. And when I study it as a textbook, when I get out of the way the fact that they drink alcohol and I have trigger foods, we're the same. I have that allergy of the body that once I start, start eating, I cannot stop. That I am less satisfied at the hundredth bite than I am at the first bite. And my greater problem is that even when I can stop, even when I get that new diet, even when I get off 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, I have an obsession of the mind that tortures me, tortures me until I go back to the food. So that's why this strikes home, because I am the alcoholic. I am the compulsive overeater. I have this allergy of the body. I have this obsession of the mind. And when I truly believe that, when I fully concede that to the innermost, my innermost self, I know that this book, if I study it, if I apply it, will bring me to where these first 100 were, living in life, participating in it, having true relationships with people, you know, enjoying the life that God wanted me to have, become the person that God wanted me to be, not the sniveling little creature that hid in her room, afraid of the world. You know, so this story strikes home, and I'm just so grateful for this meeting that not just reads this book, but studies this book, this book and makes it a living, breathing organism. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? 
Okay, Katie, would you please read the next paragraph for us? This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there's no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there's virtually no other solution. And um, I, you know, I just spent decades trying to find a different solution. And I'm so grateful that they, you know, that the medical community, at least this medical professional, would um, admit that there was no uh, medical thing that he could do to help these people. It had to be uh, divine help. And it's a little bit um, scary that we have to hit bottom because the, the, the fact is who knows what that bottom is. And for me, I thought I'd hit bottom when I was 21. I thought I'd hit bottom when I was 25. Um, it took going back out and, and being even more hopeless uh, for me to realize that the bottom, there was no bottom. And that's what I have to remember today, that just because I hit bottom um, when I did, it doesn't mean that there isn't a new bottom, that the floor can't be lowered. And I know for a fact that that is what would happen, that if I were to pick up that food today, it would be just so much worse even than it was when I hit bottom. And that is the kind of um, God consciousness that I believe is divine help. It's the divine help that tells me, you have a problem, I will help you. Um, and there are so many people out there that are heartbreaking. Like this paragraph talks about, you know, people like you are too heartbreaking. Um, and so I can't go to just some regular person and ask for help. I need help from other people who have walked down this path. And I resisted that. I wanted to be a normal person, but I'm not. And I'm very grateful for that acceptance today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. It says here, as to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Um, you know, a couple things, it all, you know, as well as that paragraph before it where it says Fred's story speaks for itself. You know, these stories that we tell, those of us that are recovered, these men and women who were recovered um, from alcoholism, you know, it's like a big show-and-tell operation. That's what AA is all about. It's like a big show-and-tell operation of what can happen when a person who is so devastated um, and haunted by this disease begins to cooperate with God's grace. You know, then we get to hear a story about how God has revolutionized their life. It says, as to the two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. So that means what helped them? God helped them. That's exactly what happens because once the ego and the intellect is fired as one's guide to life, it's replaced by a different guide. It's replaced by submission to God. You know, and only when the intellect and only when the ego are dethroned can God rule in one's life. It says at the bottom here, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach. That's all about God. In such cases as yours, for most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Ain't that the truth? 
Ain't that the truth for you and me? You know, that I need to be connected. I need to have a relationship, not with the contents of a cellophane bag. I need to have a relationship with something that is immeasurable and indestructible. Because I know one thing for sure, that anything that came from my own resources, my willpower, my effort, my determination, my good intentions, and my goal uh, setting, which I had all of that, but none of that solved my problem of compulsive overeating. My human resources were not sufficient. They were not sufficient. The only thing that was sufficient, and the only thing that was sufficient to these men that we read about, is God. That, that is the solution for people like you and I, God, transcending the intellect. I needed a new mind, a spirit-guided mind. Only God can heal a mind he created. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, Penny C., would you like to read that very last paragraph for us? Hi, this is Penny C. I'm sorry I had to leave and I don't have the book in front of me. All right. Um, Deb, would you do that for us? Are you available? I can read it. This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. In that um, paragraph, I have the whole thing underlined because it's just, you know, it's just a great fact for us that that we cannot muster up our own willpower, our best thinking. Um, we do not have the mental defense against that first bite. And, you know, we have a mental problem that tells us it's not going to be the way it was yesterday. And um, my higher power is the only one who can um, be the defense against that insane thinking with that pass. Thank you, Katie. This is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, once more, they're going to give us the message in this small but so important paragraph. You know, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. That was me. No defense against that first drink. That first drink would always be the thing that I had no way of not doing. I had no defense against it. My alcoholic thinking, my compulsive overeating thinking, ensured that I would pick up again and again. And so they're telling me that no human being, not me, not a doctor, not a family member, no one, no human power could come between me and this disease this mental and physical disease. But God would and would if he were sought. His defense must come from a higher power. You know, God is the ultimate reality for me today. But God is the immediate reality for me today. Always available. Always available. If I work these steps as if my life depends on it. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment? Press star one to unmute. I'll hop in there. It's Leah. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, just, you know, once more, uh, the big book up until this point, has given me, me a lot of examples. It's given me a lot of examples, and they're hammered in once more. You know, they gave me the example of Bill's story. They gave me the example of Roland Hazard. They gave me the example of the Jaywalker, of Jim, of Fred, you know, that we can't stay sober on self-knowledge, cannot consistently rely on self-will or self-knowledge to keep us from that first bite or from that first drink. 
you know, that, that that cannot be relied upon. So the big book essentially has shut the door on me. You know, if I don't find a power greater than myself, um, then I am going to continually resort to my own thinking, which is what? Which is insane. <laughs> because my pain has no memory. My suffering has no memory. So once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against that first drink. It's got to come from God. That's it. Step two. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment before we close today? All right, thank you for everyone who has shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Deb W., would you do that for us, please? Sorry, I'm going to have to pass. It's Esther. I can go ahead. Thank you, Esther. Thank you very much. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.